Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Welcome to Advent. Today we're going to talk about the sisterhood and what does a cloister even mean. But first, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for this holy season and the good reminder of our need for you and one another, our need for a sisterhood, a brotherhood, a coming together as your heritage to celebrate your son and the gift that he is to us. Please bless this time and let my readers and listeners be encouraged by these words. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Luke is a lovely account of Mary. You may have heard of the Magnificat, the song of Mary, when the angel told her that she was going to have a baby, the Son of God and the Son of Man, and how she responded. I always found her response inspiring, that she said, may it be to me as the Lord has said, that she received this word knowing that it was definitely out of the ordinary, out of the physiology, out of the cultural expectation of her being betrothed but not yet married, and knowing what that might cost her initially. My heart doth magnify the Lord, she said. She had a wonderment, an imagination, a seeming joyful, almost meditative quality to her response that I find beautiful and when we have unexpected good things happen, think back to that time in your life if there was something unexpected that was good that happened. Certainly, we can remember the scary or traumatic things, and often those things can loom in our memories and bodies. What about those good things, the good news? Where were you? When was it? What were you doing when you found out some good news? What was the news? How did you respond? Who did you share it with first? Well, when we read the account of Mary, she must have shared it with Joseph because initially he thought to divorce her quietly, but then God told him in a dream not to do that. Then she goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her cousin, her older cousin, and Mary left and went to stay with Elizabeth for three months. When Mary and Elizabeth encountered, Elizabeth had a moment of surprise before Mary told her any news. She said, the baby within my womb leapt with joy at the sound of your greeting. How blessed are you among women. How amazing. These two women who both carried babies, Elizabeth and her older age carrying John the Baptist and Mary now carrying Jesus, the son of God and son of man. How amazing that they could celebrate together without even fully knowing what was going on and without knowing all the details or even saying all of the words that their response was to receive what God gave them individually first and then to celebrate with one another. Who in your life can you celebrate with? Can you tell your good news to and they will be happy for you and with you? So often we might think about those people who weren't happy. Maybe they were jealous or they had a self-interest. The scriptures say that jealousy and self-interest, where those exist, you will find disorder and every evil practice. 
Mary and Elizabeth celebrated together. They were not frenemies. They were not holiday relatives. When there was a challenge or a disruption in their everyday life, they ended up coming together and celebrating with one another the good news, and then being together, helping each other through it. What situations in your life can you remember someone supporting you with your good news, even if that good news brought a lot of change? Sometimes we can have positive stress with good news and good disruptions. How can we receive those in such a way that we can magnify God, that we can rejoice and be glad, that we can celebrate what has happened to someone else and not just for ourselves. Do you have anyone in your life that you can talk to who's like that? There might be some seasons that we go through where we don't have someone in our life that wants to celebrate with us, or we have the opposite, people who are hostile and anti-good things happening to us for reasons only. I find it refreshing that Mary went to Elizabeth. She knew where to go, that she could go stay with her cousin. How do you define sisterhood? What qualities in another friend do you appreciate or want or need? And what qualities do you offer? Is it possible in life seasons to be supportive of one another through thick and thin, as they say, for good times and bad, in times where you can celebrate your season and others where you might struggle with it, and sometimes a little bit of both. Life isn't always all or nothing. In fact, the story arc goes to a big place of sadness. When John the Baptist grows up, he lives out in the desert, and he's a prophet, and he lives a different life. He has long hair. He wears camel hair for clothes, and he eats locusts and honey. He baptizes people, and he tells people to repent. He baptized Jesus, his cousin, and that began the ministry of Jesus with the anointing of the Spirit. In my books, I talk more about how ironic that was, that Jesus had this moment of climax of being anointed by God with the Spirit. And very similar to the commendation of his mother, God said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased, upon whom my favor rests. There was this joyful reception of Jesus as he was being baptized. Well, then he has this opposite experience immediately afterwards when he goes into the desert and for 40 days he fasts and prays and Satan tempts him. When good things happen to you, how long do you expect them to last? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I know sometimes when good things happen to me, it's I wonder what's around the corner, what's next, because sometimes life can be somewhat like a pancake. It can flip over. You can have the best moment and then a very challenging one. And I've come to realize it's more how we carry ourselves through those than the details of necessarily of how they resolve. And finding peace with that is a big deal. And that's one thing that the Lord can help us with in his gospel. And that's why this Advent season is so special. When the angels heralded Jesus, they said, Peace on earth, goodwill toward all people upon whom God's favor rests. It was very similar to the anointing of God, the commendation of God 
as God ordained Jesus with a commendation and with the Holy Spirit, with a welcome, positive word, and with an anointing, so that he could have the power and the love and the affirmation to do the ministry and work, the hard work that he was going to do. Here we arrive at the moment of sadness, what must have been sad and tragic for Elizabeth and Mary. We don't know if Elizabeth lived to see her son grow up as she was older as a mom. We do know that he died, that Herod Antipas had him beheaded at the request of the daughter of his mistress who had danced for him. And it was all this sordid affair because John the Baptist had rebuked Herod for that conduct of being with his brother's wife, and it was just a sordid, dysfunctional situation. I know that that word dysfunction can weigh heavily on us during the holidays as we gather together with people who are familiar to us or different than us, and we are trying to find our way through that. We know that for Jesus, when Pontius Pilate handed him over to be crucified, that his mother and friend John were among the few that stood by the entire time and bore witness to his suffering. I want to say a special word to caregivers of children and parents or someone you love or care about who's gone through a hard time, maybe physically, emotionally, mentally, or otherwise and you were there for them, and how hard it was to watch them suffer. That's what Mary went through. She went through watching her son suffer so much ridicule and scoffing while he was being hurt by people and mistreated unjustly so. And as a mom, it's hard to watch our kids struggle or hurt, and even harder when it's at the hands of other people And even worse, when those people are mocking or scoffing at them for being hurt or human. I want to pause and appreciate what Mary and Elizabeth embraced in their lives, that they embraced these men that God gave them to bring about a gospel heritage, to bring about a message for the rest of us, and that these women were faithful and saw it through to the end. And what was beautiful with Jesus is he said to his friend John that this is your mother and mother, this is your son. He gave them to each other. He, as one of his last verbal ministries on the cross before he died, he commended his friend and his mom. He commended them in the same way that his mom commended him when she received and welcomed him with joy when she found that she was going to conceive and bear the Son of God and the Son of Man. He commended his friend to take care of her, this heritage, as an honorable ministry, as an honorable giving back to the woman who raised him. If you can hear or feel the emotion in these words, that's because it's there, and I wonder how it resonates with you. There's a sense of sadness, too, at did Elizabeth know the lifespan of her son? Was she still living or not? And did John have anyone ministering to him? Well, he was in prison, and he asked his disciples to find out who Jesus was. Is he the Son of God? Is he the one to come to redeem and save the world? And his disciples came back with the message Jesus told them to say that 
the lame are walking, the blind can see, the dead are raised up, the mute can speak, the deaf can hear that. In other words, yes, Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy. And what's interesting is the prophecy he chose to state that he fulfilled, that he didn't say or speak to the wrath to come as John had when he talked to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers who warned you about the wrath to come. Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever wanted to say that phrase and stopped yourself? Not likely, but you brood of vipers who warned you about the wrath to come. No, Jesus said instead that he basically fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah and elsewhere that he came to heal and give life. He came to restore what was taken away from with sin and the fall. This is the story of his advent, the arc of it, and not just to redeem or save or heal individual people or even the generations, as it says in Psalm 92 to 94, that God is faithful to the generations. He won't forsake them. That when we're old, that will be planted in the house of our God like a tree that is still green, bearing fruit in old age, flourishing. I like that image, and that's what I pray for for myself. Metaphor of the tree is very powerful in scripture where Jesus was hung on a tree that was fashioned by man and state into a cross to not just kill people, but torment and torture them and ridicule them and make them a public spectacle, reduce their life to some sort of perverse entertainment at the death of it. And that was once a beautiful tree. Jesus hung on that tree as the son of God, the son of man, the son of Mary, and the cousin of John, and then to breathe life and green back into our family tree, our flourishing I wonder how much do you or I lean into that message and be that kind of tree hugger, that person who embraces that family tree that Jesus offers. Isaiah says that my servant shall grow up as a tender shoot in the Lord's presence, like a root in dry ground. Is that not interesting? Dry ground. How is that possible? Do not trees need rain and good soil? How is it that a tender shoot could persevere and survive and endure dry ground? How is it that we can endure scorching conditions and situations? Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.